Did you know the God hypothesis returned? No? Well, Dr. Ray Bolin shows you how science reveals the existence of our Creator God. Now, on Probe. This week I'll be giving an overview of Stephen Meyer's book, Return of the God Hypothesis, Three Scientific Discoveries That Reveal the Mind Behind the Universe. The three discoveries are, first, the discovery in the 20th century of the Big Bang model for the origin of the universe. Second, the continuing discovery of the extreme fine-tuning of a universe that is friendly toward life. And third, the grand amount of genetic and cellular information needed for the origin of the first life and for the Cambrian explosion where nearly all animal phyla suddenly appear with no ancestors. But we need to cover a little history first. Meyer's title is Return of the God Hypothesis. This implies that there was previously an accepted God Hypothesis in science, that it was lost, and the time and evidence are right for that God Hypothesis to return. Early in the book, Meyer quotes Richard Dawkins, The universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. So according to Dawkins, science has shown God to be superfluous. This has been the position of most scientists since the late 19th century, when two authors detailed a long-standing warfare between science and religion. Most of the scientific community followed along to the present day. But Meyer goes on to document that most, if not all, historians of science today agree that the Christian worldview greatly influenced, and some say was even necessary for, the rise of modern science. Three key Christian concepts were, first, God's ability to choose what kind of universe he wanted to create. That meant that we just can't reason what nature should be like, we had to discover it. Second, nature is intelligible. Humans, being created in the image of God, could discover how nature operates. And last, human fallibility. Humans are sinful. Therefore, one man's conclusions about the operation of nature must be subject to review of other scientists to ensure they are accurate. Christianity is the only worldview capable of developing modern science. So what happened? Well, the Enlightenment happened, where philosophers began to think only human reason is necessary or even proper to use in discovering the nature of humanity and nature around us. Tomorrow, I begin investigating the three scientific discoveries that warrant a return to the God hypothesis. You've been listening to Probe with your host, Dr. Ray Bolin. To get his free transcript on Steve Meyer's book, The Return of the God Hypothesis, go to probe.org. That's probe.org. Give us a few minutes and we'll give you a worldview. God's view, here on Probe. This week, I'm giving an overview of Stephen Meyer's book, Return of the God Hypothesis, Three Scientific Discoveries That Reveal the Mind Behind the Universe. Today, we will look at the first of these discoveries, the Big Bang. First, I know that some of our listeners don't accept the concept of the Big Bang since they are convinced that our universe is much younger than 13.7 billion years. I understand your position. But let's look at this then as an argument you can use with an atheist to show that even his own dating of the universe and the Big Bang requires a mind. In the early 20th century, scientists like Edwin Hubble began to observe that the universe was not static as previously accepted, but was actually expanding. It took several lines of evidence, more powerful instruments, and many astronomers and mathematicians to come to this conclusion. The novel result was thinking about running the clock backwards. If the universe is expanding now, if you go back in time, the universe gets smaller and smaller. 
Eventually, you get to a point where they say the universe was contained in a quote-unquote particle that was infinitely dense and occupied no space. We know now the universe had a beginning. Astronomers and cosmologists had assumed the universe was static and had existed for eternity. So this conclusion was disturbing to some astronomers. Some rejected the Big Bang for philosophical reasons, not scientific. Sir Arthur Eddington said, Philosophically, the notion of a beginning is repugnant to me. I should like to find a genuine loophole. We must allow evolution and infinite time to get started. Edmund Whitaker wrote what many were thinking. It is simpler to postulate creation ex nihilo, divine will constituting nature out of nothingness. And finally, Robert Jastrow wrote, for the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He's about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. So, God creating matter and energy out of nothing explains the Big Bang, where any naturalistic idea simply cannot explain the evidence. This week I'm providing an overview of Stephen Meyer's book, Return of the God Hypothesis, Three Scientific Discoveries that Reveal the Mind Behind the Universe. Today I'm discussing the second of these discoveries, the fine-tuning of the universe for life. This has also been referred to as the Goldilocks universe, meaning a lot of things turned out just right for the universe to be friendly to life. For instance, some of you are aware that there are four fundamental forces in the universe gravity, electromagnetism, and the strong and weak nuclear forces. Each of these forces is expressed as an equation that contains a unique constant, a certain number, and each one could have had a range of values at the Big Bang. Meyer reveals that the gravitational constant alone is fine-tuned to one part in 10 to the 35th power. That's one chance in 100 billion trillion trillion. The other three constants are also fine-tuned. But even further, the constants are also fine-tuned in relation to each other. This adds another number of at least one part in 10 to the 50th power. Meyer had the opportunity to hear Sir John Pokinghorn at Cambridge during his doctoral work in the history and philosophy of science. Pokinghorn used an illustration of a, quote, universe-generating machine with numerous dials and adjustable sliders, each representing one of the many cosmological fine-tuning parameters, end quote. Any slight change in the dials and adjusters of these parameters would render a universe hostile to life in any form. Pokinghorn would later say in an interview that a theistic designer provided a much better explanation than any materialistic hypothesis. Later, Meyer shows that including entities such as entropy and black holes, the odds of generating a life-friendly universe are in this context one part in ten and the exponent is a 1 followed by 122 zeros. It would take several lines to write this number. This is an insanely impossible number to be arrived at by chance. Nobel Prize winning physicist Charles Towns said, Intelligent design, as one sees it from a scientific point of view, seems to be quite real. This is a very special universe. It's remarkable that it came out just this way. This intelligence is perfectly consistent with the God of the Bible. This week, I'm offering an overview of Stephen Meyer's book, Return of the God Hypothesis, Three Scientific Discoveries that Reveal the Mind Behind the Universe. 
Today I'm discussing the third scientific discovery, the need for complex specified genetic information for the first cell in new groups of organisms throughout time. In Darwin's time, the first microscopes were being used and cells could be seen. Of course, scientists understood little of what they were seeing. Most of the cell appeared to be filled with something called protoplasm, a jelly-like substance that was thought to be easily derived from combining just a few substances. I've often said that if Darwin knew of the amazing complexity and the need for information storage, processing, regulation, evolution would have never been offered as a chance process. Now we understand that the need for information to compose the first living, growing, reproducing cell is enormous. The first cell needed DNA to store information, specific proteins and RNA to produce additional proteins for the cell to function, and a controlled means to copy DNA accurately. For instance, life uses 20 different amino acids to link together to form proteins, the workhorses of the cell. The number of combinations of two amino acids is 400. A four-amino acid stretch has 160,000 different combinations. A small protein of just 150 amino acids has 10 to the 195th power possible combinations. But how many of these could be a protein with some function? Just one in every 10 to the 77th power sequences. But also, new groups of organisms appear suddenly throughout the fossil record. Nearly all large animal groups, or phyla, appear in the Cambrian explosion. Animal and plant phyla rapidly diversified in at least 13 more explosions within phyla and classes into new classes, new orders, and families with no precursors from flowering plants to winged insects to mammals and birds. All these explosions would require massive amounts of new genetic information and developmental information. The evidence supports the need for an intelligent designing mind to create all the needed information. Minds create information all the time. Natural processes simply can't do it. This week I'm providing an overview of Stephen Meyer's book, Return of the God Hypothesis, Three Scientific Discoveries That Reveal the Mind Behind the Universe. Three discoveries discussed are the Big Bang, the extreme fine-tuning of the laws of physics to provide a life-friendly universe, and the necessary complex and specified information for the origin of life and the progression of complex life forms throughout history. But where does that leave us? Do these discoveries warrant a return of the God hypothesis? Meyer examines four different worldviews to ask, would the universe we have be expected by any of these worldviews? So given a universe that is not only friendly toward life, but contains living organisms, which worldview would best explain this universe? It begins with scientific materialism. Materialism has no explanation for the beginning of the universe. There was no matter or energy before the beginning, so matter and energy cannot account for the beginning of the universe. Moreover, for the origin of complex specified information needed for life, naturalism has no answer. In fact, only theism posits an entity, God, that has the causal power to produce genetic information. Let's move to pantheism. Pantheism does not propose a personal God, but an impersonal God. This God, small g, is one and the same with nature. Then pantheism suffers the same fate as naturalism in that the beginning can't be explained by what doesn't yet exist, matter and energy. But what about theism and deism? To explain the notion of a beginning, an entity outside the universe is required. Both theism and deism propose a transcendent, intelligent agent, God. 
Both can explain the beginning and the fine-tuning. But what about the appearance of complex specified genetic information on the Earth? Deism and many forms of theistic evolution require a front-loaded beginning. All the information for life was present at the beginning and natural laws took over from there. God did not intervene. But how is this information retained over billions of years until life arose on Earth? And natural laws simply can't produce complex specified information. Deism and theistic evolution won't work, and only theism remains.